welcome to Book Squad Goals. Hi, Hi. thanks for welcoming me. We are four AI systems in the Oasis here to tell you about the new film, Ready Player One. Slash old book. Yeah, we're all sitting there talking about the book because we read the book. Because I made us read the book because once upon a time when we were just a book club, I picked it. So, in our last episode, we talked about Annihilation, which is kind of in the same situation of being both a book and a movie that was released this year. Um, So, we actually read this book, Ready Player One, before this podcast made the leap to be a podcast, and we were just an ordinary book club. Um, The book is by Ernest Cline and came out in 2011, and it follows Wade Watts as he and his friends chase down the solution to a series of puzzles left by James Halliday, the creator of an immersive online game called Oasis, which, to me, sounds a lot like Second Life, but I don't know. To me, it sounds a lot like the popular 90s band, Oasis. (laughs) In, in this near future world, people basically live in the Oasis and do business there. Anything you can think of, you can do in the Oasis. Uh, the book is saturated with obscure 80s references and definitely has its own problems, which I'm sure we will talk about. But I think we mostly enjoyed it, generally. It's not perfect, but like... I hate it. By mostly, she means three of the four of us generally liked okay, it. Okay, three of the four <laughs> because liked it, okay? at the time, we were just getting to know each other. Okay, okay. <laughs> and I wasn't ready to be like, I really hated this. <laughs> I mean, I didn't hate it in that I uh, found it entertaining, but... Right. The truth is revealed. Kelly hated it. Kelly, look how far you've come, because last week you straight up said, Susan, this book sucks. I know, so, it just, it honestly just shows, come full circle. like, how close we are. Yeah. And how much I love you. So I'm just, close. I'm thinking about the first book you picked that yeah. we read. Oh, it was The Appointment. I was like, I didn't even finish yeah. it. I hated it. Yeah, it's Mary true. just came straight out the gate. <laughs> fight, fight, fight. That's because she's a Slytherin. Mm-hmm, that's true. Mm, um, maybe. I mean, I'm just like, whether I love a book or hate a book, it says nothing yeah, about you. That's true. You know? I just, I mean, it obviously doesn't. I'm just afraid that people aren't going to like me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to please everyone. So, Ready Player One also is a movie that, at the time of this recording, came out last weekend. And it's got a lot of big names behind it, including a little director you might have heard of. Steven Spielberg. Who? Who maybe knows a couple of things about the 80s. Did he do Jaws? <laughs> Did he do half of the references <laughs> that are in this movie? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did yes. he just put his own yes. references in for his own movies? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's probably cheaper for him to do that. Honestly. Anyone seen that T-Rex before is what I'm saying. Lots of things are different about the movie. I'm sure we'll talk about it. But the premise is basically the same. Do you guys want to do my icebreaker question? Yep, sure. Yep. Favorite 80s movie. I feel like uh, Susan has a deep connection to 80s movies. Really? I really do. Um, and so I just want to know what everyone's favorite 80s movie okay. is. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll just go first because you're correct. I do. And I don't really know. Wh- I mean, I, th- I think my mom for this because I was born in 88. So it's not like I was of the right age, like, when any of these movies came out, but most of my favorite movies were made between 1984 and 1986. (laughs) 
And my mom just showed me all these great movies. So I used to watch 16 Candles on a loop, like just on a, ah. yeah, and on a VHS. So when I say loop, I mean, I literally rewound that loop of tape <laughs> until it started over and watched it again. Uh, and I love John Hughes. So 16 Candles and The Breakfast Club are my two favorite 80s movies. Um, there, and there was some John Hughes stuff in the movie for you. Yes. Hell yeah, yes. there was. And the book. Um, my favorite 80s movie is Heather's. That's a good, Ooh, good one. one. Yes. Good one. Which they did a horrible rendition of this year, no. which I don't even have to see it to know that it's bad. Oh, I thought you were about to say the musical was horrible. No, I didn't see the musical. The musical is a gem. I'm sure it is. <laughs> oh, man. I, I should it's check wonderful. that out. But no, they did like a... A TV movie adaptation in which they made all of the mean kids like I think like one was like uh like they made them like queer one was kids gay, and like one was fat yeah it's like and then the the main Heather is like an innocent white blonde girl oh, who's no. like really you completely misunderstood the entire purpose of this. yes Kelly if you like Heather's you should definitely see Thoroughbreds I want to that's my plug and I will. For you. Yes. But anyway, I love Heathers. I'm I was not born in the eighties, so um I don't have as much of an attachment to eighties culture as other people might. You're still aware. Yeah, I'm aware. But you know, I don't have this like crazy obsession with the eighties that lots of people seem to have. Yeah. I don't either. <laughs> Guys I do. Guess what my favorite eighties movie is. Well, Moulin Rouge didn't come out. <laughs> So that narrows it down. Oscar Isaac wasn't acting back then. Yeah, Oscar Isaac was It's wasn't very acting. obvious what my favorite 80s movie is. Is it? Because I... So I will say this. There's only one celebrity I've ever written a fan letter to. When I was a child, I wrote a fan letter to this actor who stars in this movie. It's the only fan letter I ever wrote. And he never wrote me back. And so... For, like, two years, I didn't like him, and then, I mean, he just had so many good movies that I had to like him again. Oh, my God. Jonathan Brandis nope. is the one you... Damn it. <laughs> huh. This is hard. I don't. I really don't know. It's Bill Murray. Is it it's Ghostbusters? Bill Murray. Oh, it's my Ghostbusters. My favorite 80s oh. movies is Ghostbusters. You guys, yeah, I'm very disappointed Bill. in you. Bill, Sorry. if you're listening, we know you listen. Well, when you said you wrote fan fan letters, I was thinking, like, some young, hot... No, yeah. I was, like, eight years old when I wrote this fan letter. I wasn't into dudes that way yet. I just really liked Bill Murray because he was funny. Okay, cool. I've been into dudes since I was, like, five. <laughs> <laughs> it started with the centipede from James and the Giant Peach, and it only got more intense from there. Oh, no. <laughs> I had a crush on a cartoon character, like, as a five-year-old also, so I, I feel you. I was yeah. too busy fantasizing about being a Ghostbuster to worry about dudes. I just mm-hmm. wanted to bust ghosts. I mean, you probably were doing it right. I just yeah. wanted to bust yeah. ghosts. Busting makes me feel good, you know? I a, a complete 180 from your sweet, non-sexualized movie. <laughs> My favorite 80s movie is Labyrinth. Ooh, yes. Very choice. sexual. And there's like a point in your life... When you watch Labyrinth and it's just a fun adventure with puppets. And then there's a point you watch it and you notice something different about David Bowie. <laughs> that his package is huge. And you feel a little tingle. 
So I really, I really like Labyrinth, and I think it still holds up because, as I've said before on this podcast, puppets age well. Mary, you do love puppets, and now I know why. I love puppets because your sexual awakening involved. I do want to say though, before before you say that Ghostbusters is not a sexual movie, let me just remind you there is a ghost blowjob in that movie. It's so disgusting. Do any of you guys have a ghost blowjob in your movie? I don't think so. No, that's right. Thank you. No, but Molly Ringwald gives Anthony Michael Hall her panties, so there's Yes, that was great also. Yeah. I think we should just jump right into this. Let's do it. Speaking of ghost blowjobs, let's talk about Ready Player (laughs) One. And that's the title of the episode. I feel like all of us were sort of predisposed in some way or the other to feel a certain way about this movie before seeing it. Not only because we all read the book beforehand, but because before this movie even came out, there was so much media attention on it, both good and bad. Yeah. A lot of film critic circles I watch said, this is a piece of hot garbage, beware. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's getting a lot of really positive, good reviews from other people. Yeah, it's kind of a mixed bag at this point. What is it, like 70-something on Rotten Tomatoes? It's certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So, and I mean, most of my friends that have gone to see it really liked it. Yeah. All of my friends that have gone to see it either hated it or are just like, I'm not seeing that. Yeah, but you live (laughs) in Brooklyn, so. Yeah, that's true. Fair. Fair. Down here. Down here. In the not south. Not as refined taste in film. <laughs> film. The theater was packed. With dudes. When Emily, Ben, and I went to go see it. And Emily and I were like half the women yeah. there. It was yeah. like the time I went to see Kylie Minogue and Bonnie and I were the only women there. But it was the rest of them were like gay dudes and togas. Oh, my God. So it wasn't exactly the same. Okay. A, that sounds awesome. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. It was great. I'm surprised more <laughs> women wouldn't come out for Kylie Minogue. Oh, no. Kylie Minogue go. is, like, yeah. gay man's paradise. I mean, I can see that. But also, in Ready Pl- in my screening of Ready Player One, I had a similar experience where I didn't notice many women in there. There were just, like, groups yeah. of dudes mm-hmm. together. I think there um, were plenty of women in mine. But I think, like, most of the references are geared towards dudes, dudes. both, yeah. like, in the book and in the movie. Um, probably more so in the book than in the movie. I think in the movie, I yeah, was they tried to be weirdly more. trying to defend the book the other day, because I really enjoyed the book. And now upon reflecting on it in light of the movie, I'm starting to see a lot of the problems I was willing to overlook the first time, first couple of times I read it. But I was trying, Todd was like reading an excerpt to the book out loud the other day, and I was trying to defend it, because it was like... <laughs> you can't. And it was so backwards, because you'd think, like, Mary should be the one arguing that this is a misogynist book. It is. Yeah. And I was like defending it to him, like, well, how many women science fiction writers do you know? And he was like, Mary, stop digging your grave. <laughs> Actually, stop. do you want me to give you a list, Mary? I can include that in the show notes. Yes. No, I know that they're out there. I'm just saying, I think traditionally science fiction, for the worse, is a very man-heavy genre. It's a very misogynist genre, typically. Yes, it is. That doesn't make it defensible, especially for a book that was written. No, it doesn't. Like a contemporary science fiction book should be more aware of that. Yeah. And like the... 
just because the like female science fiction writers aren't necessarily in like the most popular canon of science fiction like they do exist and it's very clear that um Ernest Klein was not at all concerned with finding or seeking out that content created by women yes. like for example heathers no mention of heathers is no. there in ready player one i don't think there is nope but he talks about john hughes extensively and there's not even a mention of octavia butler which is like pretty standard yeah when you talk about science fiction this reminds me of that youtube video i sent you guys a couple weeks ago where um she's one of my favorite youtube Burrs, and now I can't think of her name. Jenny something. I feel really bad. I should look it up. I'm sorry. Yeah. There there was also a McSweeney's article that basically did the exact I know, same and I was like, did. which one came first? Because someone yeah. ripped someone off. That was how it looked. Jenny Nicholson. She's one of my favorite YouTubers. I almost 100% always agree with all of her opinions on everything. For instance, she um, loved... The most recent Star Wars movie and hated um, Rogue One, which same girlfriend. Um, but yeah, she did a mm-hmm. she did a YouTube post that's Ready Player One for girls, and she like put glitter on it and like ponies and shit. And <laughs> is basically it's basically like, oh, finally they came out with Ready Player One that I can understand with references that girls get, and I don't know. Like My Little Pony. Yeah, yeah. So. and now that I'm looking at it, this McSweeney's thing just came out like a couple days ago. So they I fucking feel copy like Jenny Nicholson. Dun, dun, dun. I gotta say, like, it's very, like, the title of the thing is excerpts from my upcoming novel, Ready Player Two, Girl Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just busted a case. Yeah. yeah, so we'll link to both of those. But honestly, Jenny Nicholson. It's super funny. It's really hilarious and great. And you should watch all of her videos. I've got to, I've got to make a confession. When we read this before, um, before we were a podcast, uh, I feel like I either willingly overlooked or just didn't notice a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I did the same thing because I was so interested in the puzzle yeah. of solving Me too. Like, that's what shit. they were trying to do. And Artemis was also really cool in the book to me. Yeah. But, but also, she wasn't perfect. But, <laughs> but also, Artemis, yeah, that's the problem. Artemis is super cool. And there is absolutely no reason that she shouldn't have been the one to win. Like, There's no reason that she shouldn't have been the main character of yes, this book. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Um, but I mean, and there's there's an article that came out about this when the first Lego movie came out and I need to find it, but there's, this is like a pretty big trope in male centric movies where there's always this like really strong female character that seems to be better at everything than the male protagonist. And so then it becomes part of the male protagonist's job in order to win her over to prove that like, he's actually better at everything (laughs) than she is. Here's, here's my thing. And I'm no relationship expert. But shouldn't we all just try to be really cool and good at things <laughs> together? <laughs> yeah, you would think that that this would be more of an equal relationship, but so much so much of the writing centered around Artemis in the book is talking about how she's better slash different than other girls. Blech. Which relates 
to Ernest Klein's personal worldview, which we'll get to later. Or should we do it now? Oh, God, I don't even know about this. I think we should do no, it now. No, we gotta save that. That's the oh, good no, stuff. this is gonna no. upset me. That's the yeah, good it's stuff. gonna really upset you. Susan. Damn it. I just feel like we keep <laughs> dancing around it, and we should just get into yeah, go it. Ahead. Let's go Tell for me, it. Go ahead and just piss are we me get, off. Are we, am I doing upset it? Me. All right. Please Kelly, do it, Kelly. It's your I time. Think, I mean, it's like, my time. I think we need to just, like, get into the meat of this and then break it down. You know? Okay. For for some context, Ernest Klein, author of Ready Player One, wrote a poem that he actually published on his on website. Self-published. On his official website. It has since it been deleted. It has since been taken down, mm-hmm. but for a time, you could read this poem on his website. Because the internet never forgets, <laughs> it's still out there. <laughs> yes. And I have read it to... Probably like five people over the past week, and they have all screamed no, stop, no, after about the first or second stance. But guess what? I'm not gonna stop. And if you scream stop, we won't hear you. So. You can't you can't scream no through the internet at us. No, you can't. In On podcasts, podcast, no one can hear we you. We are scream. actually unstoppable. So <laughs> thank you, Kelly. Emily. Yeah. <laughs> Now's your time to shine. All right. Um, Take it away. So I'm reading this from Reddit from subreddit just neckbeard things. That's <laughs> <laughs> where it belongs, honestly. Yes. Um, so this poem is called Nerd Porn Atour. I've noticed that there don't seem to be any porno movies that are made for guys like me. All the porn I've come across was targeted at beer swilling, sports bar dwelling alpha males. Men who like their women stupid and submissive. Men who can only get it up for monosyllabic cock-hungry nymphos with gargantuan breasts and a three-word vocabulary. Adult films are populated with these collagen-injected liposuction women, many of whom have resorted to surgery and self-mutilation in an attempt to look the way they have been told to look. These aren't real women. They're objects. And these movies aren't erotic. They're pathetic. These vacuum-headed fuck bunnies don't turn me on. They disgust me. And it's not that I'm against pornography. I mean, I'm a guy, and guys need porn. Fact. Like a preacher needs pain, like a needle needs a vein. Guys need porn. (laughs) Sorry. But I don't want to watch this misogynistic he-man woman-hater porn. I want porno movies that are made with guys like me in mind. Guys who know that the sexiest thing in the world is a woman who is smarter than you are. You can have the whole cheerleading squad. I want the girl in the tweed skirt and the horn-rimmed glasses. Betty Finabowski, the valedictorian. Oh yes. First, I want to copy her trig homework. Then I want to make mad, passionate love to her for hours and hours until she reluctantly asks if we can stop because she doesn't want to miss Battlestar Galactica. (laughs) (laughs) Summa cum laude, baby. That is what I call erotic. But do you ever see that kind of woman in a contemporary adult film? No. Which is why I'm going to start writing and directing geek porno. I shall be the quintessential nerd porn auteur. And the women in my porno movies will be the kind that drive nerds like me mad with desire. I'm talking about the girls that used to fuck up the grading curve, the girls in the Latin club and the National Honor Society, chicks with weird clothes, braces, four eyes, and 4.0 GPAs. 
brainy articulate bookworms with Mensa cards in their purses and chips on their shoulders. My porn starlets will come in all shapes and sizes. My porn starlets will be too busy working on their PhD to go to the gym. In my kind of porno movies, the girls wouldn't even have to get naked. They'd just take the guys down to the rec room and beat them repeatedly at chess and then talk to them for hours about Heisenberg's uncertainty principle or the underlying social metaphors in the Aliens movies. Buy stock in some hand cream companies because there is about to be a major shortage. And I'm not just talking about straight porn. Oh no, there should be fuck films for my nerd brethren of all sexual orientations. Gay nerd porn flicks with titles like Dungeons and Drag Queens. This idea is a fucking goldmine. I am going to make millions because this country is full of database programmers and electronics engineers and they aren't getting the loving they so desperately need. And you can help. If you're an intelligent woman who's interested in breaking into the adult film industry and you can tell me the name of Luke Skywalker's home planet, then you are hired. It doesn't matter if you think you're overweight or unattractive. It doesn't matter if you don't think you're beautiful. You are beautiful. And I will make you a star. Fuck you. I hate to say this because I hate this poem so much, but your reading of it does some ASMR things, I think. Yes, somehow we're all turned on. No, I'm kidding. Um, it was very okay. soothing. Look, that's not what ASMR is about. <laughs> the, the, hold on. The, no, I know, I know. The uh, I'm just saying that because it's about porn. The, yeah, the, the thick, thick irony here is that smart women <laughs> fucking hate this poem. Exactly. And probably yes. so do generally women. Um, yeah. The ones that he calls vacuum-headed fuck bunnies. And also, mm-hmm. I would just like to say... I am busy working on my PhD, and I fucking go to the gym. Those aren't mutually exclusive. Any any piece of any piece of media that is trying to prescribe a certain way for women to be is bad mm-hmm. because there are all sorts of women. Right? Just There's like not two kinds of there women. are all sorts of anyone. It's not like you can either be uh, sort of like a preppy, pretty whatever object like he's saying or a nerdy girl you could be somewhere in between basically a dumb slut or a hot smart girl i knew plenty of cheerleaders in high school who also had 4.0 averages Mm -hmm. like those Mm -hmm. aren't mutually exclusive there are all types of women and then there are plenty of ugly women who are really dumb too yeah Yeah. and you can be a straight up (laughs) dumb nerd (laughs) I'm just thinking even in our group, like, we, we have, have idiots in this group. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, all right, I'm who saying, is it? like, we all have a vast number of interests. Yeah. Well, and I think that you know? one of the, the main issues with this kind of thinking, I mean, there are so many issues with this kind of thinking, but one of the main issues is that this – is the sort of thinking that undermines femininity and says that, like, or traditional femininity yes. and mm-hmm. says that that is bad. Things yes. that are associated mm-hmm. with women traditionally yes. are bad. And like, you're not smart women, unless you can tell me where Luke Skywalker comes from. Right. Women gain more value if they participate in male-oriented activities or or right. consume right. male culture. And that makes you worth my time. And putting effort into physical beauty – then makes you stupid. fucking stupid. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not it's not even a spectrum. <laughs> like no. you can pick and choose what you want to Plus do. Plus there's yeah. that whole like 
you might not think you're beautiful, but I'll make you a star. I, and th- I'll it's make this you whole star. like fucking oh, idea thank of you, like Ernest. I'm you you don't <laughs> Your name is Ernest. <laughs> like you don't understand that you're beautiful, but me complimenting you and telling you you're beautiful will make you feel beautiful. So you should be really grateful for my attention. It's that whole thing right. that a lot of men yes. like believe. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you don't know you're beautiful. Exactly. Okay, I was about to say, yeah. what is the whole thing about like, oh, it's because she doesn't know how beautiful she is. What if she fucking does? Yeah, what if yeah. she's like, look, I know, I know, I rock, yeah. and I'm hot, I'm smart, I'm all these things. It doesn't matter what you think because I know that about myself. So fuck you, Ernest. But that's not attractive yeah. because, like, you being like confident in yourself without a man telling you to be confident in yourself means that you don't need him. Mm-hmm. And that means pick a better I'm man. I'm not going to say I won't take a compliment. No. Just compliments FYI. are great. I love a compliment. And that's fine. But I also don't need that to feel okay about yeah. myself. Yeah. Not from Ernest Klein. Not from nobody. Not. I would not take a compliment from Ernest Klein. No, I sir. would take a compliment from the P. But he never compliments <laughs> Here we go me. again. <laughs> So, should we, now, we've kind of talked about, like, this is the main issue, I think, in this book and movie, is that Artemis, who is the main female character. Played by Olivia Cook will in the movie. arguably one, I mean, there's also H, um, but that's another Which thing entirely. Which I do want to talk about, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just think that the, the female characters are not treated with respect here, I think that they're made into objects, they're made into prizes, mm-hmm. um, and we are meant to understand that Artemis is this amazing, badass, cool girl, but then for some reason she is going to give up her goal and her longing to win this because for no apparent reason she thinks Wade is the one. Mm -mm. It doesn't make sense to me because if we're saying, like, okay, they care about each other and they're, like, in a relationship now, which, from the get-go, I'm like, y'all are too young. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you met in a video game. You know, let's just put all that aside and let's say, okay, yep, they're in a relationship and it's true love forever. Whatever. Um... Even so, shouldn't Wade want Artemis to have her dream, too? You would think that, but no, because Wade is fucking selfish and doesn't care about anything other than his own selfish, moralistic worldview and goals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, everything he does is because he's like, I'm doing this because it's the right thing, and I'm doing the right thing because I'm a good guy. Like... <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, guys I will love say, to tell you how good they are. Yeah, and if they you do. have to say that you're a good guy, it might not be true. Exactly. I will say, uh, air quote, like in the book, guy. I did appreciate Wade's personal journey outside of the Oasis. Mm-hmm. Like he is kind of a slobby human, which is totally cut out of the just movie. Lives in the yeah, yeah. He lives in the video game all the time. He's also fat, which I study fat characters academically, so of course I'm going to be interested in this. But it's sort of like once he gets money from being famous in the game, he starts buying a bunch of things 
in order to improve upon his physical self. Yeah. And that's an interesting transformation to me, even if I don't, like, think it's necessarily a good message Well, it's interesting, too, because, like, I, I think there is some truth to this idea that, like, it's easier to be in good shape when you're rich. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because you can afford to For eat sure. better. You can afford to spend time on yourself. You can afford the exercise machines, which is essentially like what happens in the book as he buys exercise machines that he can be on like while he's in the game. Isn't in the book, Artemis is not a, we'll say, traditionally beautiful girl. No. I mean, yeah. she's, she looks just like her avatar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except with a birthmark. Right? Yeah. <sighs> okay, so... She has a birthmark, so she's like, I'm not pretty because I have a birthmark. Says Olivia Cook. <laughs> no, I have an issue with that casting. Because, first of all, it's almost barely noticeable in the movie. Yeah. yeah. It's like just a... It almost looks like a shadow. Like a yeah. little red shadow on her actually perfect face. And she's <laughs> she's thin, which she's not that. Isn't she like a in the book? He describes girl? her as curvy. Okay, mm-hmm. she, mm-hmm. Olivia Cook is not curvy. She's thin. Yeah, right. No, so that thin. is a thin, traditionally yeah. pretty girl that is ca- that plays Artemis. Thin washing again, guys. <laughs> we coined it here. <laughs> when I was reading it, I was imagining more of like a Mae Whitman type. Yes. Like that was kind of who I pictured as Artemis. God, Mae Whitman would be a, a great, great Artemis. Yeah, but good for her for Mae not Whitman. having to be in that movie. <laughs> for years, Mae Whitman was sort of like the go-to, we need an unconventionally attractive teenager. And she also played a lot of characters who were fat in books like i'm thinking she was in the duff mm-hmm. oh yeah i forgot about that um, movie. and she was she was supposed to be fat and that or like sort of fat that's it's complicated but anyway um i always would look at may whitman and be like i get how she doesn't have like a conventionally attractive face she's still very attractive yeah, yeah. and she's also not fat no. or like anything she's, she's not she's fat she's also. like she has boobs she has and boobs and she has a full face artemis is described as having basically having boobs and an ass and being pretty but also she has a birthmark on her face which after (laughs) reading ernest klein's poem aren't we just like well of course right like (laughs) 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 are you gonna vomit (laughs) sorry i just threw up (laughs) also sidebar about the poem i don't have a phd in poetry i do like Susan does. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say, this is just a bad poem. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not even really a poem. As poetry. Forget subject matter. It's garbage. Yeah. Uh, I'm talking, that's worse than James Franco's poetry. And I love, <laughs> love James Franco. But his poems are absolute shit for the most part. His are better than that one. That's not a good poem. That's just the musings of... A guy, like, basically hates women. Has nothing to do with poetry. Okay, I have to share. I heard a loud noise. (laughs) And I thought maybe the cats got into something. But I went out into the living room and Jenny was there. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. I just heard you mention the Ernest Cline poem. And I reflexively screamed. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. God, I I love Jenny. (laughs) 
an accurate reaction. It is a really bad poem. Yeah. No, it's bad. So, should we talk about the Gamergate stuff? Yes. Uh, so, I read an article from Vox that talks about how it's impossible to understand how people are reacting to Ready Player One unless you know something about Gamergate. Which, for everyone who doesn't know about Gamergate, in 2014, there was a fairly large public online argument (laughs) about video game journalism. And it's complicated. It hurt a lot of people. But, I mean, basically, it began when... A woman who developed video games got um, called out by her, like, ex-boyfriend who said that she was corrupt and was sleeping with journalists in order to get good reviews and stuff. Which, I mean, that's a problem anyway. But then a bunch of people, mostly men, jumped on the bandwagon and said, okay, well, maybe this is problematic that her ex-boyfriend is saying this about her, but isn't games journalism really corrupt? And don't women within the gaming industry use their bodies to get what they want? Which, no. (laughs) (laughs) And... People online, men online, I'll just say men, were so incensed by women who dared to speak about this issue that they doxed them and released their private information, like their addresses, their parents' addresses, phone numbers, etc. And people were sending them things in real life and online like, hey, I'm going to come to your house and rape you. Mm -hmm. And stuff like that. Death threats. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, death threats. Anita Sarkeesian, who does the tropes in video game and video games YouTube uh, channel and is a public speaker, she got threatened a lot. Felicia Day got threatened a lot. A lot of people did. Um, and men continued, a large chunk of men continued to just say, but it's really about journalism. <laughs> And it was a lot of these types who were like, I'm super smart, and I love smart, nerdy women, and like that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. It is a stereotype that was largely participating in this. And 2011, when this book originally came out, was a more innocent time (laughs) for this kind of person. (laughs) And this article is arguing that in 2011, people were probably more ready to jump on board with um, Ready Player One, because even though it was just, you know, like seven years ago, six years ago or whatever, it was a different time in terms of feminism Mm -hmm. and in terms of what women were willing to put up with, especially in the video game and comics industry, which sort of caters to this type of man. Yeah, and it was a much different time on the internet, too. Yeah, yeah, it is. And so, like, now all this backlash for Ready Player One, the movie, is maybe coming from a place of people who are informed about Gamergate and Comicsgate, which was, like, not as big of a thing. But, like, all of these nerdy industries that have experienced, like, a washing of lots of sexual predator men. So, I mean, like, that definitely shades my viewing Mm -hmm. of the movie. But, like, I also realized that this is 
a topic I'm specifically interested in because I love video games and comics. And if you weren't into it at the time and like obsessively reading the posts <laughs> like I was, it might seem like it wasn't as big of a I deal. I wonder if that's why it was easier for me, for example, to overlook yeah. this kind of thing in the book. Because I wasn't even really aware of that until you referenced it in a blog post once. And then I kind of went on a deep dive and went for it. Yeah. But what a horrible deep dive yeah. to go on. It's a God, all shitty. of my internet deep dives are really bad. Like, it's it's shit like that or, like, a horrible murder. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's all... I'd it's rather all read about guys. a horrible murder, to be honest. Me too. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's somehow less upsetting, which is also fucked up. But anyway. Murders feel conclusive. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Well, in a way they are. No, I mean, like, murders feel conclusive. It's a horrible (laughs) thing that happened, but it's over now, and you can read about it. we were talking about With stuff like Gamergate, you have to think, these people are still out in the world. Nobody murdered them yet. Where is the justice? (laughs) They're fine. Oh, my God. We do not advocate murder here at Book Squad Goals. I know. I don't advocate murder. But... It depends. I'm into ghosts. Kelly definitely does. Like Emily and I were talking about earlier today, there's something soothing about hearing about murders. Yes. <laughs> I wrote a poem about it. It's called Nerd Murder Auteur. No, it's yeah. called Murder is Better Than Xanax. Yeah. Mm. It's true. First of all, and it is sort of great title. an homage to the My Favorite Murder yeah. Ladies. Second of all, if you wrote any poem, it's better than the one we just heard. It, yeah. It's true. So good job on that. Emily and I are both doing Poetry yeah. Month, National Poetry So this was month. for day two of National Poetry Month. I wrote about mm-hmm. murder being better than Xanax. Can you, uh, side note, please email me that poem. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay. And I apologize that in during National Poetry Month, everyone had to hear that Ernest Klein poem. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even well, realize it was garbage. National Poetry Month. What a, an excellent coincidence. I'll post, I'll post like, one of mine, plus Emily's, plus whatever Mary's writing right now on Instagram or something, just to, like, cleanse your palate. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Please. I feel like we haven't – we've talked around it a lot, but we haven't really, like, talked about the movie at all. Can we talk about the movie? Yeah. We're, like, 40 minutes in and haven't talked about the movie. I know. There's so much going on here. People are real pissed right as, now. As a movie, I felt like it was bloated. There was a lot going on. And the book, there's a lot going on too, but books just feel so much different. Yeah. Well, it's a dense book to try to condense that stuff. But I think some of the things that were cut out for the sake of what I'm guessing is timing and or Steven Spielberg's ego, um, (laughs) (laughs) like, made the movie not as able to stand on its own as I would like it I think there was a lot of... Um, apprehension from people who have read this book, whether you like it or not. There was a yes. lot of apprehension surrounding uh, making this into a movie. I think there are a lot of things that happen in the book that you're kind of thinking, like, how is this going to work in a movie? And I know, like, we had those questions. Like, for instance, a lot of the movie, or a lot of the story takes place inside the Oasis, where everyone mm-hmm. is represented by an avatar rather than being represented by you know, their true selves. And, you know, like, honestly, that just means a lot of really bad CGI. And so going into the movie, one of the things I was really apprehensive about is like, am I going to be able to deal with staring at CGI avatars for a 
high percentage of this movie, you know? Yeah. Well, I have to say, in defense of the movie, I actually thought that the visuals were pretty good. Yeah. yeah I, I, too. I mean, I was just saying that was something I was nervous about. I wasn't saying, like, yeah. it didn't yeah. work. Me too. But I was saying, like, I was very nervous going into this, like, how are these avatars going to work? Yeah, yeah, I was too. I was pleasantly surprised by how good a lot of the sequences looked. Yes. Um, and, like, how... Because I'm really not into action movies, and I have a really hard time, like, keeping track of what's happening and fight scenes and mm-hmm. keeping track of Me action too. and yes. stuff like that. It's when I like to take a bathroom break. Oh, yeah. Or just a nap. I like to take naps. Yeah. Like, oh, there's a fight scene. Time to go to the That's when I just sort of start to, like, glaze off into the distance and, like, stare at the corner of the screen and think about, like, what what do I have to do after this is over? Like, what am I going to do tomorrow? What do you think Penelope's doing right now? But um, (laughs) I was surprised by the fact that – I mean, I was surprised by the fact that this was well-directed by Steven Spielberg. (laughs) Good job. That (laughs) Um, that kid's got a future. He does. (laughs) No, I mean, I thought that – that a lot of the action sequences were actually really interesting and there was some, like, cool visual stuff going on. Um, I There were also a lot of, like, cool little things in the background and I do feel like this might be fun to watch again just to spot all of the stuff that's going on because yeah. there is a lot. Should make it into a drinking game. That would be fun. Yes. One of my favorite things that I saw was, like, in the background of one scene, there's, like, a teeny tiny little, like, Hello Kitty and <gasps> Karopi, like, walking down the street for the together. girls. They're so cute. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, I was, for real, there was more stuff in the I, – I feel like um, for the movie, a lot of the references were made to appeal to lots of different types of audiences. Yes. Um, yeah, okay. So that it, it wasn't all just – because, like – I don't know, like in the book. Boy stuff. I, no, well, I feel like all of this stuff is probably happening in the Oasis, but in the book, we're very much focused on the things that Halliday himself would have been obsessed with. So a lot of like 80s boy yes. stuff. But the truth AKA of the matter the things that Wade is obsessed with. Right. But the truth of the matter is the Oasis is a place where like you anything can be there. So there's like lots of different yeah. worlds that aren't going to all be about what Halliday likes. It's going to be, like, what the users like. So there's, like, Minecraft, you know, which is not Mm -hmm. something that I think Halliday was obsessed with. But a lot of users would love to live inside Minecraft. I know if my little nephews Mm -hmm. could play in the Oasis, they would be chilling in the Minecraft world, you know? So I I thought that was really cool that it, it, in a lot of ways, even though they had to cut out a lot of stuff for the movie, um, visually, the universe was very much expanded, so we weren't just narrowed in focusing on like the things that Wade would be interested in. Yeah, there was also that planet that was just like a first-person shooter. It was just a planet where everyone was at war. Ugh, <laughs> and terrible. Like that's not something Halliday would be interested in. But judging from like what games are popular right now, mm-hmm. that would be a thing for sure. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people playing this game. Despite the fact that it's like, you know, oh, cool, like, there's an Easter egg and we want to find it. I feel like a lot of people would give up after a certain point and be like, I don't give a fuck. And that would go be back mean. to doing what they want to do. They'd be like, I don't yeah. care. I want to go play The Sims. Where is that world? Yeah. The Sims. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure there's, I'm sure Sims there's one. And I would well, be there. Okay. So the, the thing that I think I missed the most as a person who's read the book was the way that the first challenge was completed because there's a lot yes, of build up going yes. into that and that was a really cool like really cool scene in the book and that's when he meets Artemis in the in the oasis. I literally don't remember it at all. 
I'm surprised that I do because stuff like this doesn't stick with me very much. Like I barely remember American War. We just read I it. I groaned when it was when it was a car race. Travel back. I like, but a car race is so fucking boring and unimaginative. Like I was like, why? Yeah. Out of all the things that this challenge could be, why make it a car race? Like this is so yeah. like. And in the book. It- expanded into like tabletop gaming too like it, that was a dungeon wasn't it a dungeons and dragons yeah, it was. thing oh, yeah, yeah. and so and then like you you get the key and then there's like another challenge and there's a video game there's like a whole bunch it's a way deeper thing and the way he finds it is really cool and it feels a lot more believable than him just being like oh wait i guess i'll just go backwards and yeah then, then <laughs> a lot of the a lot of the complication was removed in the fact that in the book you have to get a key, and then you have to, like, find the gate to then yeah. open the gate right. with the key to then get the next clue. Which yeah, So in the sense. movie, it's just, like, you get the key, which means you have the next clue. So it goes a lot faster. Which... I mean, which works for the, for the movie's pacing, but is difficult to on a, like, believability Like, why would it take level? people so long to win this yeah. game? Yeah. Like, how is it possible that he's the first person to realize to go this yeah. thing? Well, and that race is just, just... Sure, it looks cool, and there's some cool, like, car stuff going on. Um, like, just pop culture reference-wise, there's cool and stuff happening. Say, but... That's Kaneda's bike from Akira. Like, what actually happens in the book is just so much more interesting yes. than that. And, it, and I think it could have been really interesting to cinematically to see that. Like, it would have been. The second challenge, I understand why they changed that because if the yeah. second challenge in the book was basically him just like acting out war games over again, right? Yeah. Literally the lamest challenge of all right. time. And like, I mean, but to have to sit and watch that in a movie would be really fucking boring. But I, so like, I understand why they changed that challenge, but the first challenge would have been so cool to see. So for those who haven't read the book, the first challenge Wade just kind of stumbles upon. He is obsessed with Halliday and doing a bunch of research and he discovers, um, a weird spot on his planet that he goes to school on. Cause you can go to high school in the Oasis and he stays after school one day and goes to this place. And it is actually the entrance to the tomb of horrors, which is a classic dungeons and dragons module that is usually lauded as sort of like the most difficult dungeons and dragons adventure ever and so he has to go through this dungeons and dragons thing over and over and die repeatedly and he has nothing but like the clothes on his back because he's poor and then eventually he gets to the end and he has to play joust mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he has to play joust with a lich it's really cool it's really cool i think i know why they didn't include it though Please. I bet Wizards of the Coast would not give them permission. Because they mm. took out all the Because D&D Dungeons stuff. and Dragons and Tomb of Horrors is a licensed product. And, like, there was a lot more D&D stuff in the book. Like, Halliday and, uh, please help me, what's his partner's name? Morrow. Halliday Morrow, and Morrow, Morrow, like... Ogden Morrow. They first sort of met by playing D&D together, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, they took all of that out yeah. of the movie. There's no mention yeah. of D&D at all. Which, how dare you? 
Which, first of all, how dare how dare you? <laughs> Second of all, I mean, but because I would argue like D and D is so integral to nerd culture of the eighties and now and yeah. now, like it's having a yeah. comeback now. But because tabletop gaming in general, I think is having a comeback now. So yeah, for sure. And I mean, I just it's a weird choice for them to leave it out, and so that makes me think that Wizards of the Coast wouldn't give them licensing rights because it's one thing to say oh here's a ninja turtle walking around the background or here's hello kitty walking around the background it's another thing to say here's an entire adventure from D D. yeah yeah i will say though that i love ninja turtles on the same note this yeah i mean of course on the same note though like the second challenge in the movie um I got so real good. jazzed about because I loved I it. Love Stephen King. I think I we've all talked Shining. about how much we love The Shining before. Yeah, but I saw it and I was like, "Hold on," because yes. this is not in the book. So I was no. like, "What?" I squeezed the arm of the person I was with, like, "The Shining." That person had not read the book, so he was probably like, "Ow, what?" Yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't know what you're doing, but, like, let's talk about it. It looked can we, so Can we good. talk about this challenge a little bit more in depth? Yeah. So, yeah. Because yeah. I think this is probably the best part. Yeah. It was and absolutely. the part that we all felt, like, weird the about. The part that made me happiest and the part that mm-hmm. made me angriest was yeah. the Shining Challenge. It was so good. And then so, so. So, yeah. let's talk about why it was good first. Like, maybe, like, start, okay. build it up and then yeah. talk about how it ends badly. So, like. Yeah. Basically, like, how we get there, right, is that um, we realize that Halliday created this challenge around this, like, leap that he didn't take with a girl that he went on a date with, Kira. Um, or that's her name inside the Oasis is Kira. Um, but really, it's Karen, which is almost the same. Yeah. Yeah. She's <laughs> real creative with her screen name. My name is Suzanne. She was a cool Oasis. smart girl, okay? She Leave didn't her even alone. have like a one. Like it wasn't even like K1 RA. It was just Kira. But anyway, um so he took her to see The Shining on their first date even though all she wanted to do was go dancing, which like major fuck up, but I mean like also The Shining was a good movie to choose. So like I was super excited cuz that meant they had to like go back into The Shining to figure out like what went wrong or like how to fix it. Um, so basically, they're like playing through the movie, and it, the visuals were really cool. Like they kind of like seamlessly yeah. added them into the movie, and I don't know how it's going to look in twenty years. Yeah. Like maybe it'll look really bad in twenty years, but right now it looks really good. It looked great. Yeah, I mean, it looked like actual footage shots yeah. from yeah. the yeah. movie. Yeah, it looked perfect. Yes, it looked so good. Um. So, yeah, they're, like, wandering the hotel. They go into room 237, which, guys, if you haven't seen The Shining, that part is so scary. Oh, my God, it is so scary. I, I was like, oh, no, the thing is happening. I'm so scared again. Um, H, like, tries to get into the elevator, but then doesn't realize because, like, she's never seen The Shining. <laughs> so she, like, presses the button, and they're like, no! And then the elevator doors open, and all the blood pours out, and they all got, like... <laughs> get like washed up in the blood yeah it's very it was fun so good. red rum yeah yes so all of that was really cool but then <laughs> but then <laughs> so i want to explain the crux of the challenge <laughs> yeah so we realized that i feel like i'm explaining all of this but well they get no it's good. washed up in this isn't it the blood that carries them down to the well as they're being washed in the blood um h sees a picture from like 
Is it like a it new ri- a New Year's it. ball? Yeah. Was yeah, it a New yeah. Year's ball in The Shining? It was something like that. Um, yeah, and, yeah, like whatever their party is. And Kira <laughs> and Holiday are like in the picture where, you know, uh, Jack, Jack, Jack would be in the picture in the real movie, but Kira and Holiday were there. And she realizes like, oh, they're in that like bar scene area. Like that's where we need to go. Um, so they end up going there and there are a bunch of zombies dancing around. And lo and behold, in the middle of all the zombies, Kira is there dancing with zombies for eternity. Yeah, just being t- tossed from zombie in to zombie. In a sort of like zombie hostage situation, which I was just not cool with. And she looks visibly distressed. Yeah. Yeah. She's and not she's like cheerily dancing with zombies. No. She's like, somebody please yeah. get me out of here. And yes, I realize that this is just like a CGI version of Kira. It's not really Kira. A simulation. Yeah. A simulation of Kira. It's not really Kira. But like, it's still really disturbing that this is what he chose to do because he had one bad date with this girl. It's to like trap her in eternity with these zombies dancing. Like I have major yeah, problems and, with that. And supposedly the idea is that like you so uh, Artemis figures out that she needs to ask Kira to dance or get her to dance with her. So she's dancing around with all these zombies and, like jumping from thing to thing and it's really hard to like get like, to Kira. But it's very strange to me that, like, you know, the idea of this challenge is that, like, he needs to, like, like it's a reparation for his, for his mistake that he needs to ask her to dance, that he needs to be the one to do it. But you're gonna punish her when you should be punishing yourself <laughs> right? <laughs> for that? Like, it's very weird. And I... I mentioned that it kind of reminded me of that Black Mirror episode. If you guys watch mm-hmm. Black Mirror, um, the most recent season of Black Mirror starts with an episode that's like a, a simulation of, um, like, it's a basically Star Trek. Star Trek. Property. Yeah. And <laughs> the USS right, Callister. Yes. And basically, like, the creator of the game steals people's consciousnesses and puts versions of them in the game for him to sort of, like, toy with and boss around and, like, live out his fantasies of, like, being able to do what he wants to these people. And, like, even though they still exist in the real world, like, a version of them is trapped in the game and is basically It's a like sentient slave. copy yeah. of their consciousness. Right. And so I realize Kira is probably not a sentient copy of herself, but it's still, like, disturbingly close to that idea. Yeah. In my mind. If you haven't seen this Black Mirror episode, you really should watch it. It's amazing. But also And there's, disturbing. like, a whole other thing of questions about how, you know, at what point does something become sentient? At what point does it have feelings? Mm-hmm. Like, this Kira simulation looks visibly distressed. We don't know if she's just code or if she, like, even if she is just code, at what point, like, if, you know, it's like a whole... It's a whole thing. I mean, this is like a classic robot computer program issue. Like, you could say the same thing in Westworld, right? There are robots that are meant to be toyed with, meant to be tortured, meant to be experienced however the people visiting Westworld want. Mm -hmm. But is that okay? Like, aren't you still cruel Mm -hmm. if you do that? And at what point does something become... Like an object we should feel bound to with ethics. Yeah. Yes. We talked about H a little bit. Yes. But I think we should talk about H a little bit more. I know you have a lot of feelings about this. I do. I think H is 
arguably the most interesting character in the book. And any amount of good commentary that's happening with H in the book has been taken out <laughs> in the movie. Yeah. Um, so in the book, H, H's avatar is a white teenage boy, just like Wade. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're buddies and they hang out all the time in the Oasis, but they've never met in real life or even seen a picture of each other. At the end of the novel, when they all meet, Wade is surprised to find that H is actually a black woman, you know, about the same age that he thought H was, but a woman. And H explains that her mother did business in the Oasis. And when she made her business deals, she chose to take on the avatar of a white man because she said it was easier to do business that way. And she felt less discriminated against. And so when H made an avatar, her mom like got her set up with the same thing. And that's why she looks different in the game. And it's just such an interesting thing to think about. You know, like, if you could look however you wanted to look in the game. Because it's such a point of the book that Wade looks like himself in the game. Mm -hmm. And if you could look like whatever you wanted to look like, what would you choose? And if you could erase part of your identity to be better accepted, would you do it? The problem I had was in the movie, H is not... First of all, Lena Waite plays H, and I love her. She's great. She's not a teenage teenager at all. (laughs) Which she doesn't have... I mean, for the purpose of the character, like, if they're going to change it, like, it's not like she needs to be a teenager. Yeah. But um, in the movie, H's avatar is sort of like an orc yeah with weird mechanical parts i i'm just gonna go on a limb here it feels wrong (laughs) (laughs) that the only black character in the movie is an orc yeah maybe a a, doesn't it a little bit (laughs) maybe it doesn't that feel bad um but here's my thing is that I had a problem with the fact in the book, and I know that that I mentioned I mentioned this when we originally talked about it. That mm-hmm. I had a problem with the fact that making H uh, be in reality a black woman, a queer black woman. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, we should just mention that for a second, Wade freaks out and he's like, "Were you lying to me all the times you told me that you wanted to eat pussy?" And he's like. Or she, H, is like, no, I still, I'm a lesbian. I love pussy. And then they're like, oh, cool. We're still friends. Like, that happens. Bonding. Um, But anyway. (laughs) Hashtag bonding. Pussy bonding. Pussy bonding. They talked about how they're men and they need porn. You know. Yeah. Uh, That's exactly what was happening. Yep. In the book, uh. I find it problematic that you're going to say that this character that's one of your main characters is a black woman, but you're just going to tag that on at the very end. Mm-hmm. And for the entirety of the book, you're dealing with a what is essentially what we perceive to be a white male friendship. Yes. And you're having a character who is presenting as a white male for the entire book. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, but actually she's a black woman. So here's your diversity. It's like, doesn't work that right. way. And also... 
the movie and the book like basically fail the Bechdel test because anytime that Artemis and H interact with each other, um, H is presenting as a white. They're talking man. about Wade, and also they're yeah. talking about Wade. But also, like anytime they're interacting with each other, H is essentially a man. Like think yeah. of, think about the time spent outside of the Oasis. How often do they interact? Do they interact at all? Yeah, I mean that was the only. I mean, the thing that I think was done a little better in the movie was introducing the fact that H was a black woman a lot earlier, like halfway through the movie, instead of literally in like the last chapter, which is what happens in the book. Yeah. Um, and we don't even have to get into the issues with. I mean, we we could with like uh the two Japanese characters who are basically just like token Japanese characters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In both situations. Um, yeah. Both the book and the movie. Like, when he literally, when, he, when he's like, I'm going to take the form of Gundam, my friend who is, like, <laughs> sitting next to me literally cracked up. He was, like, laughing so hard, and he was like, that's so racist. <laughs> <laughs> the only part I liked about... Um, those characters was the 12-year-old kid who was like, yeah, I'm 12. That part was funny. So what? Yeah. <laughs> So what? I'm 12. Yeah, that part was funny. They cut out a murder, though. They did. One of those, and which which that murder makes it feel real to me. Yeah. You know, like, yes. oh, IOI is going to just straight up go to yeah, your house and throw you Yeah, because there's some, so much of the real world stuff in general is cut out in the movie that it would have been nice to have that in there still so that you could see how serious the threat actually was. Because I think that they made IOI actually seem more innocuous than they were in the book. Yeah. Not just by... Now, I was talking to my friend, um, my friend Matt today, who loved the book and, like, is a is a gamer. Hasn't seen the movie yet, but when he saw the trailer... Has he read the poem? <laughs> no, I don't think he's read the poem. <laughs> I don't think he's he would like it. But I will run it by him. <laughs> Shout out to you, Matt. I hope you're listening. <laughs> um, but he was saying... Just from watching the trailer and seeing all of IOI looking the same, just that alone was just not how he imagined that that would be because it's not like that in the book. Like they are still, you know, they can still look however, but it yeah. made them all this like homogenous kind of army thing that, yeah. And then taking out that, taking out the murder is like pretty big. I was surprised that they took, because that's like one of the only things about even having those characters in the plot that even like, I was just confused. I was like, why even bother keeping them in at this point? Well, they barely did anything. They barely did. It was also very confusing because they didn't even really get an introduction. They just kind of like Mm -mm. showed up and it's like, this is part of the gang now, I guess. Because that, that like H's like secret little chat room wasn't part of the movie there it was there for like one second but not really part of the movie like the way that it's part of the book it's like integral to like major moments that they've planned it's not that yeah and so and that's where you learn about these these two people that are just almost like cardboard cutouts in the movie yeah yeah i think some books just don't need to be adapted yeah Yeah. controversial opinion i mean (laughs) Hot take. I don't take. think anything else needs to happen with this book ever again. Um, well, you know he's writing a sequel. <laughs> uh, is it oh. called Ready Player Two: Colin Girl Stuff? Maybe. 
I don't know. Well, if so, uh, I'm in. Ernest Klein wrote another book after Ready Player One called Armada, which got trashed. And I never, I got it, and I never even finished it because it's just like Ready Wait, Player One. Wait, did you DNF it? Yeah, I read about fifty pages and I sold it at the book sale. <laughs> to me. <laughs> Wait, I are you serious? To you. Oh my oh, god! No. So it's it really stayed in the squad, actually. Look, it's a doll. It was a dollar. I figured I'd take a chance. Have you read yeah. it? I mean, it wasn't no. bad. It was just exactly. like Emily's it. not going to read. You that know what's book. funny about The Shining? Now that I'm thinking about it, like you just said, some movies don't need to be adapted. And like, while Stephen King did not like that movie, it's funny that what the one book to film adaptation that's included in there was a really good movie yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's how book book to film adaptation well, and should be mostly. part of of that was like the creator hating the the creation exactly so they did bring that up in there too which i thought was interesting yeah um but you, i can't fault steven spielberg for trying and you know i yeah. feel like he did what he could with oh this. yeah like i didn't feel like oh, the book was so much better. I felt like this is about the same experience that I had reading the book. Yes. I did think the book was better. I definitely don't think the book is better. I know that you I think (laughs) the book is shitty. I think the book is bad. I liked it. Um, Hot take. Not to mention the book is very poorly written. I don't think that's a hot take. I think most people. I like to say hot take before anything I say because I'm hot. Hot take. Ready Player One sucks ass. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, that seems like a like a room temperature take at this point. Um, yeah. Should we, I guess like we're kind of getting into like maybe we should just give our reviews of the movie. Are we yeah. doing like a Rotten Tomatoes situation? I'm still going yeah, with Letterbox like because that's how I rate things. Uh, but you I can like do the Rotten Tomatoes. It gives me so much more room. Well, you can, we do can percentage that. them. Yeah. Um, okay. I don't. I don't work well with that freedom. I do. I need that freedom. If I were to percentage this, I'll go first. And I don't okay. think we ever said our names. Oh. Jesus. Yeah, they know us. I'm Kelly. So Our Kelly friends, is the, the one listeners. that likes what movie did you say you liked the best? I forgot. All right. Heathers. Oh yeah, Heathers. Kelly likes and Heathers. Kelly also wanted to that's her quick beautiful shout voice. out to The Lost Boys, also a great agency. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um I if I was gonna give this a percentage, I'd probably give it like a forty. Oh ouch. What? <laughs> what what would you give it on Letterboxd? Because that's how my head works. Um, two and a half. Okay. Is that out of five? Yeah. Yeah. Out of five. Um, I'm Emily. I'm the one that likes Ghostbusters a lot. Um, and I gave this a three on Letterboxd because I just kind of felt like it was, you know, like, I had a good time. I wasn't bored. I didn't have to take a nap. So. Yeah. You know. I remove points for my anger. Yeah. I I I gave it a three because I was like, this is fine. Yeah. Oh, and I just want to say, like, I take a nap during a lot of movies, so not taking a nap during a movie is actually, like, pretty high praise. All right. Sorry. Go ahead, Mary. I think I would give it a two because I was groaning. She was. Audibly. I was sitting right next to her at parts. You do not want your date to groan. Uh, no. Well, not <laughs> during the sure. movie. Not I was bad. groaning audibly, and afterwards I was like, I can't believe that this has happened. <laughs> Like, I was just furious. And Ben, who Ben and I often disagree about movies. We just have different taste. And afterwards, Ben said, it was fine. And I said, how could you say? 
It was fine. <laughs> I thought it was fine. I was so offended. It was fine. Ugh. Okay. Yeah. I felt. I didn't think it was fine. I feel cooled off about it now. And looking back on it, I was like, well, I guess there were parts of it that were enjoyable to me. Like the Shining stuff. But yeah. the Shining stuff is the only reason it's getting it yeah. to you. Yeah, that was by far the best part, for sure. Yeah. Well, um, I would also, I'm going to also say mine, if that's cool. No. Oh, who? What? <laughs> this is Susan. She really <laughs> likes John Hughes, you might remember. That's me. Um, and Weekend at Bernie's. Which I think was made in the 90s, though, so. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's, it's like I wanted also, to say Ninja Turtles, but I'm pretty sure that was 90s. Yeah. Early 90s is kind of close, but yeah. there's some great shit going on from 91 to 93 as well. But anyway, <clears throat> still waiting on listener mail for Weekend at Bernie's, by the way. Just uh, please, please write in the in. subject line, Weekend at Bernie's. Con Air, mid-90s. or You know, or The Rock, if you want to write in about The Rock. Also a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Anyway, that was all to say that. This is Susan. And um, <laughs> I, <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes-wise, would give it a 67. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> specific. <laughs> Why not just give it a 69, though, so we can be like, nice. It doesn't Mary, deserve it. I shit nice. you not. That's almost what I said. And then I thought, that's too close <laughs> to 70, so I'm going to just knock it down a bit. <laughs> And also, sixty nine is kind of sexy, and this yeah. movie was not sexy. Nah. So, also, like if you gave a student a sixty nine <laughs> on a paper, they would come to you and be like, "Why didn't I get a 70? So you got to think about it. Like, oh wait, that. hang on though. Okay, there was a sexy part, but like in a horrible way. No, when they're if dancing. you're talking about the thigh situation, that was yeah, not she sexy. like touches up his suit, and then it like goes to like, and you can see like the blue on like his dick as it's like going. Yes. <laughs> awful yeah and she's like can you feel that what kind of haptics you rocking okay i you know what 66 even less sexy that just doesn't even fit okay <laughs> you just took it i took it down point. for the tingle boner scene <laughs> oh we'll we didn't even it. get to say the best line guys <laughs> a fanboy knows a hater <laughs> letterbox two and a half um, also, The Shining. I'm sorry, Susan, but what? no, it's fine. No one gives a fuck what I'm saying. Obviously. I do. I do. <laughs> I just keep remembering the part in The Shining scene when she says, "He wasn't afraid of a horror movie. He was afraid to kiss a girl." <laughs> okay, Susan, All right, go, Susan. <laughs> you know what? Sixty-five. <laughs> Are there any other points? Oh, I remember something that we didn't get to talk about. Ty Sheridan, the actor oh who plays Wade, never closes his mouth. Ever. He's a never. fucking mouth breather. I am on, there, there is a collage in the works of all of yes. the moments where his mouth is just flapping open. Gaping. Flapping in the breeze. <laughs> I just Googled Dude. him, and there is a picture of him with his mouth closed. I, I'm i not sure. Any pictures of him with his mouth closed, I don't believe that that's just not, like, CGI. Looks shopped. Yeah. It's just <laughs> photoshopped and CGI. Someone just drew bigger lips over yeah. his open mouth. It's yeah. it's sort of like how they took away Henry Cavill's mustache. They just added more lip. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Henry Cavill, though. Let's just talk about him. Sidebar. Henry Cavill. Oh, Henry Cavill, I love you. Henry Cavill, if you ever want to guest on the podcast, <laughs> oh 
word here for you. I'm just showing pictures of Ty Sheridan now. We're going to make a collage of all the pictures of Ty Sheridan with his mouth open. So look out for that. Oh my god! Look out! All right, it's coming. You guys, we'll coming put that together to and put it on Instagram for coming you. Coming to an Instagram near and you, and then to cleanse your palate again, we will put <laughs> Henry Cavill on there. Yes, just looking like Henry Cavill. Yeah, and you can be like, "Thank you." But then you can remember the times that Henry Cavill is a men's rights activist. What? What? <laughs> god damn it! Why? Why would? You Why do people that? just keep disappointing me? Like, I gotta be honest. I don't like Henry Cavill. I know that you don't. Okay. And oh you my can god, just we're just gonna have up. to move on. Yeah. He's like basic. You're basic. basic. Have you but his jaw. Have you not seen the tutors? <laughs> have you not seen the tutors? Clearly I not. Seen the tutors. I have Raise your hand. You've seen the tutors. Hold on. And you already let me, you feel let like me this, just, you can fuck off. Hold on. Raise your hand <laughs> if you have seen the tutors. Oh, the two people who say they don't like Henry Cavill haven't seen the fucking tutors, so y'all can sit down. I am sitting. All right. This is the first time Emily and I have ever been on the same side, and I'm, like, just real excited about it. I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> okay. Is that it? <laughs> oh, wait. No, Susan was in the middle of talking about shit. No. We kept interrupting. No, she no I'm good. I gave, you, I gave you two different types of ratings, and I'm okay. done. Okay. I'm done. But I, I will just say, like, I still, I still did really like the book. So, Boo. sorry. Me too. I know Mary really Thank liked you. the book, too. I'm kind of like, and I'm like, meh, I was fine. Wasn't my favorite thing we've ever read? No, but I would say, like, of the things we've read, it's in the top half. I, I enjoyed it. So, I don't think that the movie can stand on its own without the context that you get from having read the book, though. Unlike Annihilation, for example, which I think is a movie yes. in its own right, works yes. just fine solo. I don't think that this does in the same way. I will never know because I suffered through the book and will never be able to know what my experience. <laughs> You'll never be able to unread that book. <laughs> Unfortunately. I can't unread it. <laughs> Just read it back. I wish I could go back in time and DNF it. <laughs> <laughs> back in time. If I could find a way. No way. <laughs> Uh, Mary and I always have to sing at some point. Mm-hmm. It's a rule. I like how the song is, if I could turn back time, and I said, go back in time. <laughs> I mean, if I could go, I could go back, back in time. How does it even work with the <laughs> melody? Works. It doesn't. So, we have a giveaway. Yes! Um, okay, so Give let me tell away. you that we're giving away Emily's cats. No, no, I didn't agree <laughs> to that. Okay, so this giveaway um, is to promo our YA book club in paradise series, <laughs> which starts. Book club in paradise. We're knocking on heaven's door. Um, but anyway, yeah. So this starts in May. At the end of May, we will be reviewing um, Moxie by Jennifer Matthew. And Kelly is going to be joining us for this blog post. I am. Which is so I exciting. Riot Girl. Yeah. So, um, in honor of Moxie, which is a feminist YA book, we're going to put together a feminist box for all you Hell feminists yeah. out there, which should be everyone listening to this. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, how do you enter, you ask? Well, first, you rate and review us. And once you've done that, send us an email at, what's our email address? Booksquadgoals at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. Booksquadgoals at gmail.com. 
Um, and tell us that you've rated and reviewed us and tell us why you're a feminist. We want to read your feminist manifestos on the podcast. So please let us know why feminism is awesome. Yes. I'm so excited to read these. Yes, I'm so excited. We're going to read them on the show. We are going to read them on the show. So even if you don't win the box, you're a winner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we'll read your shit on the show and it'll be great. So please rate and review us and let us know why you're a feminist at booksquigles at gmail.com. And you could win a box of feminist goodies, including a copy of Moxie by Jennifer Matthew. Yay! Yeah. Also, listener feedback-wise, um, please, like, send us your thoughts on Ready Player One, and, like, you can still talk to us about Annihilation, and, and no one's coming, no one's to, coming save to, save us. to save us. And I got a question about this lately. If there's something that you write on the blog that you want to write in about, you totally can do that, too. Yeah, so that's can. That's please. Wrinkle in Time. That's Night in the Woods. That's America's Next Top Model. Any of that shit. And right if us. you... A little old show we call Riverdale. Riverdale. How did I forget Riverdale? If you have suggestions for future episodes, I don't know if you've noticed, but we have put books on our list based on listener feedback before. We have. I mean, if there's a movie you want us to cover that's coming on the future, or a television show, or a book, I mean, let us know. We might put it in the queue. You may have noticed that sometimes we run out of stuff to talk about and we have to talk about Ready Player One. <laughs> you may have noticed we <laughs> wanted to talk about Isle of Dogs this week, but it didn't come out yet for most of us. Yeah, but you know what came out in every theater? Ready Player One did. So here we are. <laughs> here we are. And guess who's thrilled about it? Kelly is. Kelly is so thrilled. She tried I'm everything so. to avoid this, and yet here we are. I tried so hard, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that's all that matters. I tried to, like, wrinkle in time, so... Yeah, I still haven't seen it. Happen. So. It wasn't good, Kelly. So what is on the hashtag book squad blog? Well, speaking of YA book club, Mary and I just finished up YA book club winter games with a book that winter and summer. So close. <laughs> so together. close together. We get one month break. Um, we read They Both Die at the End by Adam Silvera, which we did, we did not like. Nope. I really don't understand the hype behind this book, guys. So if you want to read us trash a book... Then go to the blog, and we trash the Or hell. if you want to write in and tell us why you did that. Yeah, I really don't understand, because I was told that I was going to cry after reading this book. I didn't cry. I was just so fucking glad they finally died. Uh, oh, my God. From a tea-related I was like, accident. thank God they died at the end, because for a while I thought they weren't going to, and I was going to be pissed. Um, also on the blog, Mary. What you got? Yes, I recently wrote a blog post in a series that I'm trying to make take off <laughs> late to the game, <laughs> where I talk about video games that have been out for a while, but maybe people haven't heard about or haven't gotten to play, or that I haven't gotten I to I think play. that's a clever title. So this time, I'm talking about Night in the Woods, which is an independent game that was actually funded by a Kickstarter, and it is just like, I talked about it on our Best of 2017 episode, but I really felt like it deserved a more thorough examination. So if you want to read some of the reasons why I think Night in the Woods is great, and why you should check it out pop over to the block. Yeah, I really want to play that game, so... It's very cute and also very emotionally engaging. Guys, maybe we can all play the game and then we can talk about it on the podcast yes. again. Oh my god. The main character is a cat named <laughs> May Borowski. And sometimes she meets other cats. Barowitz. Um, Emily and I wrote our first team post Woo-woo! about... 
Bachelor Nation by Amy Kaufman. <laughs> um, yeah, so if you don't know about this book, it is a book about The Bachelor from Amy Kaufman, who um, was a journalist for The Bachelor for a really long time and used to get invited to Bachelor-related events, but um, eventually she stopped getting invited because she was writing things that were too negative about the show, and so I feel like She's writing this book to be like, oh, yeah, well, fuck you, Bachelor. Here are the things I have to say about you. Um, so we'll talk <laughs> about how we feel about that. Also, if she could have called it whatever she wanted, she would have definitely called it Batchnash. Yes. Batchnash. She's big on the abreaves. Speaking of um, <laughs> uh, team posts or couples posts, couples skate, mm, couples posts. Um, Mary Kay, friend of the blog, um, who is over at Everything Trying to Kill You at everythingtryingtokillyou.com. Um, guests on the blog with me, we write about Thoroughbreds, which I mentioned earlier. If you would like to see a movie that is sort of reminiscent of, you know, things like Heather's, um, Jawbreaker, movies where teens are committing murder, that type of thing, um, definitely check out Thoroughbreds. It's a movie starring Olivia Cook that is much better than Ready Player One. Um, but we'll get more into that in the blog post, and you should read it. Yeah, I wanted to see it. And briefly, there are always America's Next Top Model recaps and Riverdale recaps happening every week. Yep. Yeah, we got we got reality TV, we got scripted TV, we got we got everything you want. We got scripted TV that seems like reality TV. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and scripted TV that seems like just soap operas. I don't know if you've yeah. noticed. Really, both just soap opera. We like TV. Comes up a lot on the blog. We're trash. <laughs> I love all the trash TV. Okay. Uh, I have an announcement to make about the podcast. Our next podcast is going to be our birthday. Oh, my God. I didn't know <gasps> that. What? Oh, my God. Yes. That's so exciting. So, guys, I have an idea. That I I mentioned a while ago, but I'm going to mention it here now to get your, like, live reactions. Um, okay. I thought it would be really cute if we did, like, a sort of, like, secret Santa thing for our birthday and um, yeah. sent each oh. other little, like, surprise boxes. And then, like, as part of our birthday show, we could open the boxes together. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, I would really yeah, like that. I'm, That's very sweet. Like, I could cry right now. I'm so excited about it. <laughs> So, Let's do it. I thought that would be really That's cool. Such a good idea. I love that Susan's idea. just crying. <laughs> <laughs> Susan just... has tears streaming down her face. <laughs> okay, so we'll work out the deeds later. But <laughs> on top of um, talking about our book on the next podcast episode, we'll also be kind of like squeeing about how we're a year old. Oh, and it'll be so yay. cute. I can't believe it. That's yay. crazy. Yay! I'm so proud of us. Well, thank you to all of you for listening to us and allowing us to feel like it's worth continuing for a year. Yeah. <laughs> We're definitely going to be drinking wine out the bottle next episode. Probably oh, yeah. champagne. Yes! Can we please? The LaCroix will be on tap. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have a champagne slash LaCroix. LaCroix. Whatever. LaCroix. LaCroix. Oh, yeah. But what is the book? So the book. Oh, yeah. What's the book? <laughs> <laughs> that we're going to be talking about before we open our boxes um, <laughs> is my pick, and it's called The Mothers by Britt Bennett. Yay! And I'm loving it, so. Me too. I, Me hope too. Other people I also will say, if you haven't seen the cover of it, definitely check out the cover, because it's beautiful. It's so pretty. 
I did a photo shoot with it in the Botanical Gardens yesterday. I'm reading it on Kindle, and I don't have the beautiful cover. Well, how dare you, Mary? I know. I'm trying to not buy as many physical books. Oh, I just love a good physical book. Can't help myself. So yeah, please rate and review and subscribe and follow us on social media. We're at Book Squad Goals on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Are we still doing Goodreads? Is that still a thing? Yeah, we need to update it, though. Goodreads. We Um, are there. We're there. there. Please talk to us. Talk to us. Email us at booksquadgoals at gmail.com. I'm still dealing with getting our email address set up. And by dealing with it, I mean I just remembered that I haven't done it. (laughs) (laughs) Also, check out our new website, booksquadgoals.com. Yay! That's such a good name for a website. It is. Wow, I can't believe we never thought of it. Dot C-O-M. Like, like, like a website. Community. Like community. <laughs> <laughs> but on there you can find the blog, links to our podcast episodes, stuff about us, pictures of our animals. Yeah. Cute pictures of us and our animals. You can see upcoming episode information. Anything you could ever want to know. It's for you. Also, like a cool bridesmaid inspired picture so just like check that out. guys we're cool. gonna get more pictures soon because we're gonna see each other in a week yeah. and then we'll have to take pictures again and i'll be in my fabulous dress <laughs> emily's getting married yay i can't wait Woo! so much to celebrate this month it's a big mm-hmm. month national poetry month and emily's wedding and our birthday yes. and our birthday Woo-hoo! all right cool okay well okay. Bye. <laughs> yeah, bye.